helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. talk about freedom of speech and freedom of press because, well, they're important. But you see, it's not the speech or the press that are truly important, but what they represent, the expression of thought, which explains why tyrants often try to squelch expression of ideas they don't like. To quote Benjamin Franklin writing a silence do good, without freedom of thought, there can be no such thing as wisdom and no such thing as public liberty without freedom of speech. The last thing tyrants want is a wise populace, which to me explains so much of what we've been seeing the last three years or so. The freedom to express yourself has little to no beneficial effect on society unless others are exposed to it. Only when we hear, see, and read ideas that are contrary to our own can we examine our assumptions, learn new ideas, and gain wisdom which we can use to make our lives and the lives of others better. Now, with that in mind, let's take a look at some examples of the suppression of free expression, learn from the experience, and see if we cannot obtain some of that wisdom from it. Well, hello there, everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study. This is where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free. We are returning the Constitution to we the people so that we can gain some wisdom from it and learn how we can protect our public liberty. And again, I know we focus on the speech, we focus on the press, we focus on the expression of an idea, but we have to remember, you know, if, if you were to just stand in a room all by yourself and express the most beautiful, wonderful, great ideas a man had ever thought, it would go no farther than that. The freedom to speak, the freedom to to publish, which is what press is, the art or business of publishing. The freedom to express your ideas is important, but it's only effectual when others can hear it, when they can read it, when they get exposed to the ideas that the speech or the, the, the publication expresses. Uh, and, and that's why censorship is such a useful tool for tyrants and why it should be so hated by any uh, any American, any human being that believes in freedom. So let's look at the example of Maggie Dijon. I believe she was a professor at Southern Illinois University. Now, the university banned her from speaking to three classmates because she expressed views well, that those classmates opposed. And for exposing them to ideas that they opposed, they got the university to, uh, well, let her go. Reminds me of Bonhoeffer's theory of stupid, or stupidity. He says, stupidity is a more dangerous enemy of the good than malice. One may protest against evil. It can be exposed and, if need be, prevented by the use of force. Evil always carries within itself the germ of its own subversion in that it leaves behind a, uh, in human beings at least a sense of unease. Against stupidity, we are defenseless. 
Neither protest nor the use of force can accomplish anything here. Reasons fall on deaf ears. Facts that contradict one's prejudgment simply need not be believed. In such moments, a stupid person even becomes critical, and when facts are irrefutable, they are just pushed aside as inconsequential and incidental. It kind of sounds like these three students, huh? They were exposed to, to facts that they didn't like. And uh, when, when they'll, apparently, either they, when they couldn't refute those facts, they simply shoved them aside, acted like they weren't there. Now, when the school released uh, Ms. DeJong, they gave her no opportunity to mount any sort of defense, no opportunity to explain or, or, or to provide another point of view, another form of stupidity, a lack of wisdom, shall we say. And because of that, when she sued, well, Southern Illinois University settled. They paid her $80,000. But they also did one other thing. See, the university agreed to send its censoring officials to a remedial First Amendment training taught by Ms. DeJong's lawyers. Now, if you're a regular listener to the Constitution study, I've talked about this case before. And uh, yeah, I believe it's Alliance Defending Freedom represents her. So they will be the ones teaching, which is actually important because, well, let's face it. The first is they're talking about a, uh, a First Amendment training. And what happened at Southern Illinois University was not a violation of the First Amendment. It was a violation of the Constitution of Illinois. It was a violation of the 14th Amendment. And the fact that these lawyers uh, uh, sued under the First Amendment shows that, again, they're not going to get the whole deal, but hopefully they'll get an understanding of the importance of free expression, why it is protected in the Constitution of the United States and in the Constitution of all of our states and in so many of the laws of our land, the idea that you do not have a right to not be exposed to ideas you do not like. In other words, you don't have a right to be stupid, at least the way Bonhoeffer is describing it. But I want to take this a little bit farther in our, our examination of it. You see, Ms. DeJong was denied her freedom of expression, her freedom of speech. And the officials at the university, well, they um, listened to the stupidity of three of their students and used that to deny her freedom of speech. But by doing so, they, they also denied the rest of Ms. DeJong's students any wisdom she might be able to impart. Here's the interesting thing. If, are the ideas she expressed that, that these classmates opposed, how many classmates were not opposed by it? How many classmates agreed with what Ms. DeJong said? How many classmates had never heard of what Ms. DeJong said? How many classmates heard something that opposed their ideas and it made them stop and think, made them reevaluate their position? Now, maybe they reevaluated their position and found out maybe there were ways to make their position stronger. Maybe they found out that there were some weak spots and maybe they need to modify. As we think about the freedom of speech and the freedom of expression, but when it's denied, it wasn't simply Ms. DeJong that was denied a right. 
It was the opportunity for wisdom that all the students were denied simply because three of them, three of them didn't want to, uh, to hear, to be exposed to the opportunity to gain wisdom. That's sad. Now, there's another example that's been going around the news lately, and this involves a small Kansas newspaper. This Kansas newspaper was raided by local police uh, a week or two ago. And, um, well, they, the, according to Epoch Times, it, it touched a nerve nationwide about the issue of um, government overreach and, uh, well, freedom of the press. Now, apparently, this all started back on August 11th when Marion County Police Department raided the Marion County record in the home of its co-owner, Eric Meyer, and his 98-year-old mother, Joan Meyer. Now, four uh, Marion police officers, three sheriff deputies, seized computers, servers, cell phones of the editors and the reporters, and all of this after a local reporter, or sorry, local restaurateur, found out that the newspaper was investigating her over uh, DUI allegations. Now, then another twist came in because it also came to light that the newspaper was investigating the police chief himself. And yet there was a lot of, uh, of uh, firestorm, around, at least among the conservative media, uh, questions about the ability to speak truth to power, questions about uh, un unreasonable searches and seizures uh, Gestapo tactics. There was a lot. And I, I agree, there's a lot of to question about what's going on here. But then this other uh, uh, piece of, of news came out. I, I saw this in Red State. And this one really, um, really makes, it really bothers me. See, after the raid, after the, the uh, damage was done, uh, a Marion County attorney by the name of Joel, Joel Enzi said that his review of police seizures from the Marion County Record offices found insufficient evidence exists to establish a legally sufficient nexus between this alleged crime and the places searched and the items seized. As a result, I have submitted a proposed order asking the court to release the evidence seized. I have asked local law enforcement to return the material seized to the owner of the property. And now the Kansas City Bureau of Investigation said it was going to lead an investigation into the raid. Now, there's a very important point. I haven't heard it mentioned yet here. Now, maybe people are mentioning it. I haven't heard it mentioned. But if the, uh, uh, the, the county attorney, the county prosecutor, said that there was insufficient evidence to link the uh, uh, the, the alleged crime and the newspaper for searching and seizing data, why in God's name did a judge sign it? See, we're talking about the police department. We're talking about the sheriff's department. Excuse me. I can understand a law, you know, police officer, a sheriff's deputy, they are handed a warrant. They assume that the warrant is valid. Maybe they look at it and, and, and make sure that on the face of it appears valid, but they're assuming that there was probable cause supported by oath or affirmation. But if there was not, why is that not something the judge who signed the warrant, why were they not involved? You see, in the search warrant, police indicated they were searching for evidence of identity theft. 
Now, the Mr. Meyer believes that uh, the investigation was related to someone leaking personal information to the newspaper regarding the restaurant owner, uh, Carrie Newell. Now, Ms. Newell had accused the newspaper at a, at a city council meeting of, of having illegally used, using illegal means to get information about her drunk driving conviction so that they could use it against her. In fact, she told CNN that the Marion County Recorder unlawfully used her credentials to get information that was only available to law enforcement, private investigators, and insurance agencies. Now, the, uh, the paper said, yes, it received a tip, and it attempted to verify it through public records before deciding not to run a story on the information. So you remember that, that probable cause? There has to be evidence. There has to be some probable cause to believe that the newspaper did something illegal, specifically in this case, used her credentials that they didn't, weren't legally allowed access to. Apparently, there was none of that. Then, of course, we have allegations that the uh, newspaper was looking into uh, uh, Gide the town's police chief, Gideon Cody, uh, claiming uh, on allegations that he resigned his previous position to avoid demotion and punishment over sexual misconduct charges. Could that have been part of it? But what's interesting is we keep talking about the police. Where is the question about the judge? Did, these, did, did the police lie to the judge? Did they lie in their warrant application? Was the judge derelict in his or her duties to make sure that this was a valid warrant? By the way, if in either of those cases, did not the actor, whether it's the, the police officer that lied on the warrant or the judge, were, did they not deprive the, the owners, the reporters, the editors of, the, of this newspaper their rights protected by the Constitution of the United States, in other words, equal protection under the law, and they do that under color of law. I don't know. To me, I think there's a bigger question here than I've seen anybody talking about. And, uh, you know, again, why is it so important? Well, it's important to me because right now I make what living I make by speaking and by publishing. I, I record this. This radio program, it's my words, it's my voice. I am speaking. It gets published on the radio program. It gets published as a podcast. On my website, I publish articles. I publish videos. I publish, on, I publish posts on social media. This is how I'm attempting to make a living. And if those rights are not protected at all levels, not just the federal level, the state and local level, well then, whatever information I have, if I can be prevented from sharing it with you, sure, it, ha it harms me as a method of, of providing for myself and my family, but it also harms you because you don't get the opportunity to listen to what I say, maybe garner some information you hadn't thought of, maybe think some, some, some free thoughts and exercise liberty and, get by, and gaining wisdom. Now, I have to take a break. Before I go, I want to introduce you to a, a new partner here at America Out Loud, at least new to me. It's called The Wellness Company. They've got some very interesting products. One is, well, we all know that sleep is important. It's crucial to your health. 
And we've got a lot of different supplements that may help, but we didn't realize it, at least I didn't realize that some of these hormonal treatments like melatonin, well, they can disrupt your, your hormone balance. Now, the wellness company has a, a, a product called Restful Sleep. It uses natural ingredients to calm your mind, to reduce your stress, so you can get a better, more restful night's sleep. Now, as an America Out Loud listener, you get 25% off products and 25% off your first month membership at the wellness company. So please go to americaoutloud.shop, look for the, the wellness company card, get all the details there, but, but check it out. It's an important part, I believe, of living a healthy life. Now, also, I hope you'll head over to the website, constitutionstudy.com. There you'll find all the other things that I'm working on here. Yes, I've got the radio program, but I've also got articles and videos, and I'm trying to set up a news feed and some other great things that I think you will find useful as you're trying to learn about what's going on in the world around us, understand the Constitution, and wonderful things like that. And the best part is you get most of that stuff for free. Yes, there'll be a membership coming soon to the Constitution Study that'll grant you access to even more, but give it a try. Go to constitutionstudy.com. By the way, if you have a question, whether it's about the website or just a constitutional question, click the Ask a Question button. You can ask your question, hit the checkbox that says Answer on America Out Loud. I'll be more than, able, I'll be more than happy to answer it here on the radio. So again, that's constitutionstudy.com. Try the Ask a Question. Sign up for a mailing list, or just keep informed with the news, because it is by being exposed to other ideas that we gain wisdom. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Cofix RX Nasal Solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. 
For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You rejoin the Constitution study. And today, well, we're talking about the death of public liberty. And it's a lot of it's based on a, a saying, a, a quote from Benjamin Franklin, saying that, uh, was it uh, freedom of thought? is Without freedom of thought, there can be no such thing as wisdom. And no such thing as public liberty without freedom of speech. And we often, when we hear those words, freedom of speech, freedom of press, freedom of expression, we think about the First Amendment. It's almost ingrained in us. It's been been drilled into us that that's a First Amendment issue, but it's not necessarily. One is, the First Amendment is limited to the federal government. First five words, Congress shall make no law. But there's more to it. See, your freedom of speech, uh, your freedom of expression, can be censored by not by more than just government. Just take a look at social media. Right? I, I got censored. I've been censored off of uh, Facebook. I've been war- I've been censored off of LinkedIn. I've been warned by YouTube. So far, they've only sent me a warning, and I've haven't anything heard anything since. Um, but these are also the potentials of restrictions on freedom of speech and freedom of, of uh, technically freedom of the press, right? Because I'm publishing information. But I don't call it a First Amendment issue, and in many cases, I don't even call it a, um, a legal issue because these entities, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, whatever, they're privately owned companies. They own their property. Therefore, my freedom of expression does not supersede their freedom of pro- their, their property rights. And I know that's a big deal, and a lot of people don't like it, and we hear lots of screams about it, but it's it's the way it is. Because you wouldn't want to be on the other side, right? You wouldn't want to have, uh, uh, say, uh, uh, a neighborhood group be able to come onto your property to express their ideas about you. No, that's your private property. Well, it's the same when you're dealing with somebody else. But it's also why we look at these companies that are doing censorship. And while it may not be a, a constitutional issue or a legal issue, it certainly is a moral issue. It's an issue between the, the rightness and wrongness, good and evil. Now, I remember when Elon Musk purchased Twitter. Now, I guess it's known as X. Um, don't understand that one. It just doesn't flow. But then again, I'm not a marketing guy. And, of course, there was a lot of hope. Oh, freedom of speech. We'll get freedom of speech back on um, back on Twitter. Well, some yes and some no, right? But there's one distinction that has been made that I, I think we need to consider. And that is when government actors try to get around these legal restrictions by using a third party. Interesting, the... Uh, um, Twitter recently hired, I guess they call him a, a, a censorship recruiter. And uh, I was reading this tweet by Mike Benz. He says, Twitter's current censorship recruiter, Aaron Rodericks, promotes the most scandalous censorship agencies in the federal government, DHS's CISA. And he backs the CISA's head of Miss Dis and Malinformation Subcommittee, Katie Starbird. He's actively working against must-professed vision. 
Okay, it's quite obvious that uh, Mr. Benz doesn't like this gentleman. This is Aaron Rodericks. But again, the notice of point, to me, it, it's, uh, it, it would be evil, wrong but legal, for Twitter to censor information. It is illegal for, censor, for Twitter to do so at the behest of the federal government. And this is where um, a little bit of legal understanding helps. Okay, so take uh, uh, we'll, we'll take the federal government, take the CISA, the, the Center for Internet Security or the, the Cyber and Internet Security Agency, I believe is the official title, and um, they turn around and say we are going to label uh, this information as misinformation, and we're going to encourage these private companies to censor it, to uh, maybe demote it, maybe pull it from their platform, suspend accounts, whatever. First of all, those actors in the federal government are breaking the law. Constitution says, and again, if we're talking federal government, Congress shall make no law. There is no law authorizing any department or agency that can, to censor, to to abridge the freedom of speech or the press. That is legal. It would be if such a law existed, it would be void because it would violate the Constitution. Simple enough. But what are the responsibilities for Twitter and other agents, other private companies that participate in it. See, under Title 18 of the United States Code, Section 242, reads, whoever, whoever, under color of any law, statute, ordinance, regulation, or custom, willfully subjects any person in any state, territory, commonwealth, possession, or district to the deprivation of any rights, privileges, or immunities secured or protected by the Constitution or laws of the United States, get punished. They may be punished by a fine and up to a year in jail. So if this is whoever, does that mean that the actors at Twitter, when they willfully subjected a person in a state, Terry, Commonwealth, or possession, or district of the United States to the deprivation of their right of to freedom of the press under color of law, statute, ordinance, regulation, or custom, are they not guilty as well? In other words, if Twitter says, Paul, it says, we do not like what the Constitution study says, therefore, we are going to censor it. That is legal. If Twitter says, the government told us that the Constitution study is spreading misinformation, so we're going to censor it, that is illegal. Understand the difference? I hope so, because it is rather important. Because the, Mr. Rodericks, the, the recruiter we've been talking about, he's been apparently tapped to find a new lead for Twitter, for X's civic integrity and elections team. Meaning, if Mr. Rodericks already looking at, at CISA and other government organizations to determine what is and is not true, is that going to be the person, someone that along those lines will be making the decision about what is isn't it not true about the 2024 election? Like whether or not uh, uh, former President Trump actually committed insurrection, whether they meet the legal de definition of that or not, about whether or not he's disqualified under the 14th Amendment. Is that information going to go out? Again, we think of the freedom of press, someone who wishes to publish this on Twitter and other platforms. But think about it this way. It, studies have already shown they've been they've done polls in swing states that already found that 
something like 17% of people who voted for Joe Biden in 2020 said they would have voted differently had they known about the Hunter Biden laptop. In other words, censorship of information regarding a family member and possible with possible links to a presidential candidate changed the outcome of the election. And is X making plans to do that again? To take a, a, legit, a legitimate story, a, a factual story from a news competitor, in this case, in this case, New York Post, and spike it, squash it, deplatform it, shut it down, shut down the account in an attempt to manipulate the election. What about uh, Meta, right? They, they own Facebook. Now, they, I love it. When I go through my news, I pretty much know if I see in the title, fact check, I pretty much am going to ignore it because I know it has little, if anything, to do with facts. Fact checking is basically the political doublespeak for political censor. And there's more information, right? So the, the, you would think a fact checker would look at the facts of a story, check it against good sources, and tell you whether or not the facts they stated were correct or not. It's not the way it works, ladies and gentlemen. And now we find out that, um, that there's, a, there's a nice little money trail going between Meta and many of its fact-checkers. Now remember, um, Meta claims that their fact-checkers are independent. They are not being influenced by Meta or, uh, or any others. Now, an Australia-based reporter, Avi Yemeni, Yemeni uh, filed a lawsuit. Now, he had to drop the lawsuit. He said he couldn't afford to continue with the lawsuit. But there was some very interesting information that came up in those court documents, including the fact that um, uh, one fact-checking operation in Australia, uh, RMIT University's Fact Lab, uh, they received roughly half a million dollars a year for their fact-checking. The lab gets, basically, they get about 800 Australian dollars per, quote-unquote, check. So you think about it. The person, when you see a fact-check, ask yourself, did the person writing that fact-check get paid to write that fact-check? And we all know, right, he who pays the piper calls the tune. Makes you wonder about the independence of a fact-checker if they're being paid by the fact check. I wonder, do they get paid better if it's if they hold a certain identity, a certain ideal when they're doing their quote unquote fact checking? Now, I found one of the article that deals with uh, uh, the, the this public liberty, the 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 freedom of speech, and it, it was a little odd, and and I wanted to kind of go through this with you uh, for the moment. It has to deal with copyrights and artificial intelligence. See, there's this gentleman, Stefan Thaler, and he owns a program called The Creativity Machine. And uh, it, it apparently creates, it creates art of some form. So Mr. Thaler uh, submitted a request to the, the Copyright Office to get a copyright on the creation of his machine. 
the, the, his software. He created a piece of art. He wanted a copyright on the piece of art created by the machine. And the copyright office said, nah, I, 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 I don't think so. Now, this, of course, was, went to the courts. And the, the district court uh, for the District of Columbia, a gentleman by the main, uh, a barrel Howell, said, yeah, no, he said that the bedrock requirement of copyright is a is human authorship. He said the visual requirement lacked any human authorship, therefore there was no foundation for copyright. Now, this all goes back to Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. Under the Constitution, Congress has the power to promote the progress of science and useful arts by securing for limited times to authors and inventors the exclusive right to their respective writings and discoveries. The question is, is a piece of software that creates something, is that an author? Put another way, does the right to secure your creation apply to non-people? To, to, to non-humans, to um, machines, to software. Because if the um, if computer programs are deemed to be authors and inventors, then who actually holds a patent? Is this uh, creative machine going to sue in court if one of their creations is used without permission? The creative this this software program doesn't have the the existential entity to say I, something of mine was stolen. It's one of the things you know people put a lot into AI and sentience and all that. AI is simply a machine. It's a set of codes that you train to do certain things, and somehow if the created if the creativity machine made it, well then. Creativity machine is not a person. They're not considered an author. They can't hold copyright. Could Mr. Thaler request a copyright of something he created through his machine? I would say so. But he didn't request his copyright for himself. He listed the computer system as the author. Then, of course, he said, well, then the copyright would transfer to him as the owner of the machine. Very slippery slope. Very, very slippery slope. Because, again, if... if Was this a stunt? I don't know. But, again, what we're looking at is um, a, a fundamental question of some of the boundaries of AI. Are AI to be considered uh, um, human enough to hold copyrights and patents? Currently, no. But I'm sure if Mr. Thaler claims that his computer program is the author and that he should hold the, the, um, he should hold the copyright because he's the owner of the machine, how far are we from saying, well, I own that, therefore I own any, any the rights to anything it makes? How long is it before we say, well, I own him, I own her? Very, very, you know, get very, dis to be a very disturbing way of looking at things. I understand this idea that we try to anthropomorphize 
artificial intelligence. It's still just a program. If you use a program like Microsoft Word to create the next great American novel, Microsoft Word doesn't hold the, the copyright you do. And the program, Creativity Machine, created its content based on the, 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 the writing of the software and the training of the system done by Mr. Thaler. Now, I have to take another break. Before I go, though, I want to remind you, you know, if you're like me, you get to the end of the day sometimes and you just brain, you just run out of steam, right? You can't focus. Well, if you want to boost your short-term focus and your long-term brain power, I suggest you try Healthy Cells Focus and Recall Vitamins. You can find all the information you need at americaoutloud.shop. Basically, go to healthycell.com. You can put anything in their cart, but if you use the code OUTLOUD at checkout, you'll get 25% off your first order. So again, go to HealthyCell.com, try Focus and Recall or any of their great products, and when you check out, use that code out loud. It lets them know that you listen to America Out Loud, and as a thank you, well, you get 25% off your, your, your first order. While you're at AmericaOutloud.shop, why don't you check out AmericaOutloud.news? It's a great place to go every day for news and information. I do it, but I'm going to ask you to do another step. Take the information that you find that's really interesting, the stuff you think it's really important, and share it. I share it on podcasts. I share it in my 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 new my uh, social media. I share it on my website. All of it. Do the same thing. See, it's by by sharing this information, by exposing others to this idea that we not only enhance public liberty, we help secure the blessings of that liberty. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. In the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. If you join the Constitution study, we're returning the Constitution to we the people. And today we're talking about, well, in many cases, the death of public liberty. And very often that comes from our not only our not understanding the Constitution, but not understanding the, the realities, the, the basis 
by which the Constitution works and what it actually means. And, and here's a classic example. Uh, a couple weeks ago, the U.S. Supreme Court is going to decide they're going to hear a case regarding um, the Second Amendment and domestic violence restraining orders. See, there's a case in Texas where a gentleman was under a domestic violence restraining order after allegedly assaulting his girlfriend. Now, he was then charged with illegal gun possession because, well, he possessed a gun while this restraining order was in, fe in, in effect. This happened, by the way, back in 2021. This gentleman is challenging the law, claiming that um, uh, it violates his, his Second Amendment right. Or Second Amendment protected right, which says the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not terribly surprisingly, the uh, Biden administration has weighed in, and uh, a gentleman from the uh, uh, U.S. Uh, Solicitor General's office wrote uh, a brief, uh, I think it's a meeky brief, to this case. In, the case. in this brief, he writes, The Second Amendment does not prohibit Congress from disarming Ram, uh, the gentleman Rami, Rahimi and other individuals subject to domestic violence protective orders. Although the Second Amendment guarantees an individual right to keep and bear arms, that right is not unlimited. Perfect example of legal mental poisoning. Uh, this guy spent so much time dealing with case law, he hasn't really looked at the Constitution itself. Either that or he's just been brainwashed into believing that even though the Constitution is quite specific, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. It doesn't say shall not be infringed unless. It just says shall not be infringed. Now, like any right, there are situations where you can legally be deprived of those rights. It involves due process. Fifth Amendment. You shall not be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. And that's where the issue with the domestic violence restraining order comes in. See, most of these orders do not involve full due process. Right? The question was, was this gentleman, Mr. Rahimi, was he, uh, uh, he was accused, okay, um, was he given his day in court? Did he have a chance to confront his accusers? Did he have a chance to uh, uh, present witnesses in his favor? The answer is no. So while the restraining order may be a legitimate safeguard, that is that truly enough to deprive someone of their rights? Not the way I read the Constitution. In fact, if you look at the Constitution, it says nothing about restraining orders. And here's another example of where the, where the lawyers just can't read the Constitution. The Second Amendment does not prohibit Congress from disarming Rahimi. Well, understand, the Constitution delegates to the United States power. Yes, the Second Amendment protects Mr. Rahimi. But it doesn't say anything about Congress. Now, the Second Amendment does say Congress is prohibited from uh, infringing on the right. He says the right of the people to keep them shall not be infringed. This has nothing to do with Congress. Now, because I'm sure somebody out there is screaming at their radio uh, or at their, their computer about something like this, understand. I, I understand the situation where a restraining order has been issued. A restraining order is a legal ability to punish. 
It, it does not protect anybody from anything. Just ask all the women who got protective orders, who got restraining orders against boyfriends and husbands who were then beaten up and in some cases killed by their boyfriend or their husband, even though there was a restraining order out. Again, the question then becomes, if it's one thing to say, you are not allowed to approach this other person because you are, a restraining order says, this person feels threatened by you, you are prevented from infringing on their rights. But by saying, because of a mere accusation by somebody that you are, that you may be a threat, we're going to take away your right to keep and bear arms. This is why most red flag laws fail the due process requirements because they haven't gone through a process that, yes, you have been proven, you've been adjudicated, you have, you've had your day in court, you've had your due process, and it's been found you're a danger to others. Therefore, we're going to restrict, uh, uh, we're going to restrict your rights. It's the whole concept of, well, you know, the, the Constitution didn't say this, so Congress can do whatever it wants. That, ladies and gentlemen, that's wrong. And since we're talking about the Second Amendment and red flag laws, I have to go to my adopted home state of Tennessee and our governor, Bill Lee, which right now is he's not very high on my, uh, uh, on my uh, list right now. In fact, he's pretty high on the bad list. He's gone through the incredible situation of calling a special session of our state legislature. Now, why did he do that? Well, the purpose of this is to promote anti-gun legislation. I know they put a lot of spin. This is all about infringing on the rights of law-abiding people to, to exercise their right, protected by the Second Amendment, to keep and bear arms. It involves all sorts of things. And what's really interesting, what really got me pissed off, is a lot of this was done in secret. You see, the uh, the the special session started Monday. And even up till Monday, we didn't know what bills were being submitted. We had no idea what was going on. All the negotiations were behind closed doors. Nobody's known what's going on other than we're going to have this session. And we've got, a, within a few days... Our state legislature is supposed to deal with all this nonsense. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not liberty. That's chicanery. You know, one of the reasons I live now in Tennessee is when I was looking for a new place to live, Tennessee came in third. There's, there's a website called Freedom in the 50 States, and you could rate it. They rated states on all different sorts of, of freedoms, and you could combine them and get kind of this overall rating. And when I looked at the states... Tennessee came in third. One and two were like North and South Dakota, and down here I don't have to shovel sunshine. But now, I was amazed. When I came down here, the, the, the freedom for me to exercise my right to keep and bear arms was amazing. I loved it. I've, I've, I've bragged. I, used to, I tell people down here what I had to go through to get a carry permit in the state of New York compared to what I think had to go through here. It's amazing. It was wonderful. And I'm watching this be pulled apart because a governor who I believe is bowing to the media rather than his constituents is trying to take all that away. The big push has been for a red, for red flag laws under the laughable theory that if somebody says somebody may be a danger, taking away their guns magically makes them safe. 
Well, that's kind of that. that, 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 that if all you're going to do, if, if someone is considered dangerous, if they are a danger to themselves or others, if all you're going to do is take away the guns, what about all the other ways they have to hurt themselves and others? You can take away the knives, the baseball bats, the cars, the flammable objects. No. It's nonsense. It's about it's about giving people an excuse to take away guns from others. And it's being done, again, behind closed doors. Now, sure, I'm sure he's getting some political pushback, right? The, the mayor of Knoxville has urged the passage of these red flag laws. They're not worried about taking away the rights of individual citizens. They're, you know, they're worried about a, a public view. I wonder, does the, I know the, I know the governor has armed uh, uh, protection. Uh, does the governor, or sorry, does the mayor of Knoxville get armed protection? Because I know I only, I don't get armed protection unless I'm the one armed and I'm the one doing the protection. So we have this special session. There's at least 11 or 12 different bills we find out now that have been introduced that, that are going to be dealt with. This special session was only, only supposed to be a few days, a week. And what do we have getting shoved down the people of Tennessee's throat? And again, I live in the state of Tennessee. I've already reached out to my representative, my state rep, my state senator. I've reached out to Governor Lee's office. As far as I'm concerned, the whole premise of this special session invalidates it. There's been no time for the people to see what legislation is being considered. There's been no time for them to advise their representatives. There has been no time. I've advised my, my rep and my senator to vote no on every bill for the simple reason of we have no idea what is in these bills. We, haven't had, we the people of Tennessee, haven't had the chance to, to see what's inside. I doubt the reps and senators have had a chance. Maybe some of their staff has had a chance, but I doubt it. But there's not enough time for this to be done properly. But that is just another example of, let's hear the death of public liberty. How? Well, guess what? By doing all this negotiation in the back rooms, how's that, uh, how's that representation? How are you, if we're not allowed to, tell our, to advise our representatives, how are, we, how are they supposed to represent us? They can't. It, it's the, you know, by denying people the chance to see this and to comment on it, to express their opinions, to publish their ideas, to make suggestions, both good and bad, for and against, to improve these, this legislation, then we're not being self-governed. And Mr. Lee is, has been doing this. The only thing I can see is we had this shooting in Nashville, this, this, mass, this murder in, in Nashville. And here's the other interesting point. This, I believe this has been driving a lot of this is, you know, we had that shooting in Nashville and because of that, there's a lot of media pressure to do something, not realizing that the police did what had to be done. The, the, you know, the, 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 it's not, it wasn't a failure of the law. It was a failure of a person. It was dealt with by law enforcement in one of the best examples of how to deal with a mass murder like that I've seen in, in years, but that's not good enough. We want to take, they want to take away our rights, our liberty. And the, here's the kicker. See this whack job that actually went out and killed children. She published a manifesto. She left a manifesto. And the people who have 
are being asked to submit to these laws, they're not allowed to see what the manifesto is. If you're telling me that a lot of this is being driven, which I, I, I believe there's evidence of, by this Nashville shooting, shouldn't we know why that person committed that shooting to see if any of these laws would have made a spit's worth of difference in the ocean? No, we're not allowed to. We've been, this, this, this manifesto has been taken by the, I believe, the state police and the FBI, and they've refused to release it. Then, ladies and gentlemen, I refuse to, allow, to, uh, to sub, uh, agree to my representative, any of my representatives, voting for this legislation. You want us to approve of this stuff? You want us to submit to this stuff? We need to know what it is, we need to know what's in it, and we need to know the logic and reasoning behind that before we say yes. It is no until uh, you give us reason otherwise. But that's not going to happen. Do you know why that's not happening? Well, two reasons. One is because um, they believe they rule over us. They believe they have the right to make whatever laws they want for whatever reason they want. They forget that they are our servants. We created their offices. We oversee them. They're our servants. Here's another one. How many of your representatives know that from your point of view, they will be fired if they were to act in such a way? I mean, it should be real simple. As far as I'm concerned, Governor Lee should be fired for such shenanigans, for denying the people the right to participate in the creation of laws. They should be, he, he should be fired. I don't think this rises to impeachment. So the opportunity to fire him is the next time he stands for election. But you know what? I'm going to make sure the next time he stands for election, I'm going to make sure all of my neighbors, I'm going to make sure everybody I know is aware of the, the sleight of hand and the shenanigans that Governor Lee has, uh, has committed. I don't care what political party he's, on, he, he's, he's a member of. If you, are, if you are going to attack our public liberty, you are unqualified for office. See, if we wish to regain our public liberty, we must be willing to stand, even when it's difficult, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's hard. We have to be willing to stand for what is right. We have to be, able to, be willing to stand for our, our rights, our right to speak, our right to publish, our right to hear what other people have to say our right to, to participate in our own government. And those who deny us those are against us. They are attacking the very foundations of the republic. I do not think I'm exaggerating to say they are a threat to the republic and need to be treated that way. Now, for those of you who don't live in Tennessee, take a look at what your representatives are doing. Do they legislate looking for your input? Do, do they get information from you? Or does everything happen behind closed doors? It's one of the reasons why I left the state of New York. All the legislation was done behind closed doors. The people's input was, when it was allowed, was ignored. It's one of the reasons why I left. And it saddens me to see this happening here in the volunteer state. But you know what? I volunteer to stand up and make a stink. I volunteer to stand up and make sure my representatives know my standard by which I will judge their actions during this special session. 
If you deny the citizens you represent the ability to communicate to you their opinion of the legislature, you are not worthy of that office. Then we need to find better employees. And I'll talk about that more in future podcasts. Meanwhile, I hope you come back and join us every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. The Constitution Study is heard on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. If you can't listen then, all shows go to podcasts generally a day or two after they're heard on the radio. You can listen with your favorite podcast app, but do me a favor. Subscribe to the show. Rate the episodes. It helps other people find the Constitution Study as well. You can find all the links you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But share them. We've been talking about sharing wisdom. Well, you can help by sharing that information, sharing those links, and sharing the blessings of liberty.